let's move forward. This morning, we're wrapping up Titus. We're finishing up the book of Titus. And I have the dubious challenge of preaching one of those sections that pastors love, that you love. You're going to go through just a whirlwind of, of doctrinal pontification and grace uh, cerebral exercises that you will leave inspired and exhausted all at the same time. Not really. Um, this is one of those sections, folks, that when you're reading devotionally, you pretty much just say, oh yeah, he's saying goodbye. So I'm, I'm going to move to the next book. Um, I'm going to move to my next study. But you know, there's something fascinating in this conclusion to the book of Titus that we came across. We're in Titus 3, 12 through 15. Now I have a question for you before we get to the text. How many of you have ever done Groupon? You know, is there anybody here that's familiar with Groupon? I got one. I got two. All right, three, four. Okay, now you're feeling bolder. Now we're becoming a group that understands Groupon. Uh, from what I understand, Groupon is this website that you can go, and there's multiple offers given every day of these incredible deals, coupons, right? That's how it works. And so it's this idea, less effort, better results. I can go to one place, and I can get all of these offers that I can utilize that gives me good buying power. Have you ever been that person that's in line behind the coupon lady at the store? And, and you know, you, the other lines are all full. You ran to this line because there was only one person. There's a reason there's only one person there. They've got four shopping carts full. And they've got all these coupons. And you're just standing there. And, and you know... I was kind of excited about this. When we lived down south, my wife was really into this. And it was fantastic. I loved it. Because she would get these coupons for things we would never normally have in the house. Like Lucky Charms. Like I'm not allowed to eat Lucky Charms most of my life. Ever. And all of a sudden, Lucky Charms appear. And I think that God is returning. Okay? So why are we get? Because I had a coupon for it. Next thing I know, the whole the whole cupboard stacked with Jello packages, or or every once in a while we get like some great chips. All things that we normally wouldn't buy. Why are we forty eight things of tissue paper? What, are we going to toilet paper someone's house? What's going on? No, we got this great deal through the coupons, and so many of us we like that, right? We love this idea. Less effort better results. In one sense, that's exactly what Paul is saying to Titus here this morning. And he's about to endeavor to reveal something that will change the whole game for us. Everything that we've been looking at, everything that we've been seeing is contextualized this morning in these concluding remarks. These are the nuggets that we're going to pull out of something that mm, we may not have noticed. And it starts with this idea. Well, let's read the passage. It's this idea of a group harvest. A group harvest. And so let's get into the text this morning and read 12 through 15. Paul says this to Titus. He says, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And here's the key verse. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need, 
and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Let's pray that the Spirit reveals to us what we need to hear this morning from the Word of God. Lord, I ask that as we unfold uh, these words that You inspired Paul to write down, that Your Spirit shows us the value of uh, the secrets that are unlocked here and that we are inspired to move in the direction of working with others towards good works. So that You will be pleased. So that ultimately, Lord, we will reap a harvest Baskets and baskets of fruit. Thank you, Lord, to your glory. Amen. Well, this morning, running with this idea of a group harvest, maximizing your buying power. Let's look at it real quickly. Paul used a term, uh, or I'm sorry, a team approach on Crete to do what? To strengthen churches. We've shared with you that there are two main themes that Paul uses here in the book of Titus. The book of Titus is what's in seminary terms referred to as a pastoral epistle. That really doesn't matter to you unless you're a pastor. So why have we been going through the book of Titus? Because it is so truly relevant for us as a church in a culture and society that wants to be critical of church and wants to ruin church. Whether it comes from inside of our own churches or whether it comes from external pressures. And I think that's very, very relevant for us today. And I know that it's had an impact on us uh, corporately, but individually, as you guys have shared with me. So I want to review real quickly that there's two key things, and and this will be a test of your pastor's ability to teach. Let's see what what you remember. Um, There's two key themes. Number one is that Titus was to do what? I'm cheating here because it's on the screen. Strengthen churches. Yes! I'm such a good teacher. I'm very excited about that. Strengthen churches. Now I'm going to go for broke here and it's not on the screen. But it was in the passage that we read. And it's the concluding main principle that Paul leaves Titus with. And it is truly the second main reason why this book was written. Number one, Titus was to strengthen the church and he was to encourage the church towards what? Good works. Towards good works. Now this morning, if you're visiting with us and this is the first time you've, you've jumped into this series, we've spent a, 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 a gregarious amount of time talking about how good works fit within the grace of God, fit within the church, and how they're valued. One of the ways that we have um, spoken to that is this idea that spiritual collaboration happens because of spiritual cohabitation. That truly to see a good work that will bear fruit, again, fitting with our theme this year, right out of John 15, that if we abide with Him, if we abide with Him, we will what? We will bear much fruit. That this idea that the church is a magnification, it is, it is the mechanism of Jesus Christ to demonstrate His love, His compassion, and His power to a lost and hurt world. He chooses to do that through the power of His Spirit, sometimes just on His own, sometimes through individuals. But believe it or not, much of the time that is done through you. 
And much of the time that is done through you as a ministry team, being part of a group. And we'll see that that example is laid out here. Let's look real quickly. As he's supposed to strengthen churches, Paul said to Titus, strengthen the churches. What did Paul actually do with with Titus? Well, he made a team. Now, as we've been going through the book of Titus, how many of us were focused on the fact that it wasn't just Titus there? There was a whole team there. I wasn't focused on it. It's just been this continual approach. Titus do this. Titus make sure this is happening. Titus make sure that's happening. But working behind the scenes is this whole list, and we're not even sure that that's a comprehensive list. We have a list of names that were there with Titus, and that demonstrates to us that Paul's ideology or his strategy in us as the church doing good works is that we need to be doing it as a group. We need to be doing it as ministry teams. There will be moments where we as individuals, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will have an effective ministry with someone else. And you heard that in testimony today, didn't you? You heard points and times, Megan's comment about Janine praying for her, but what did she also give testimony to and how she was ministered to? What group did she refer to? The worship team. So it's not that you don't do ministry or good works as an individual. We definitely do. But the point this morning that we take from the Scripture is that the strategy of Paul was never to be a maverick. Never to try to do it alone. And as you look at the Scriptures and his ministry and his three missionary journeys, you will never see Paul doing it alone. And for some of us, that kills us, right? How many of us are the person that says, don't put me in a group for a group assignment? Please, I hate that. Because I know better. It's a fascinating thing about this stage that, that you know, there was a select group of people that worked on it. And, and Bruce was one of those individuals. Scott was here Wednesday or Tuesday to start doing layout on this stage. And he's by himself. And I hate to think of how long this stage would not be done. We'd have like one corner done if Scott was doing the stage by himself. And you'll hear more about this as we move through the message. But, you know, because there was a team, because there was a group, we were able to accomplish more. And it wasn't just about the task. It was about what happened during that time where a task pulled us together, how those men grew together, how they related together, how they encouraged one another, how they talked about biblical things together, how they shared uh, life together amidst ratchet guns and, and saws and nails and, and all that stuff. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but he says there's a team. There's a team at Crete. Go team Crete. And these are all listed in in verses 12 through 13. We've read it already. Titus would be your CEO of the team. All right? He is the established person that's been put in by the board. The board is is Paul, so to speak, chairman of the board. And he said, you are my authority there. That's why he's writing to Titus. And so act as the one who has the authority to set the precedent, to oversight the church like an elder would do. Who else was part of this team? Well, a guy named Artemis. And we know nothing about this guy. He's the mystery man of the whole thing. So here you have a pastor that will tell you, I don't know. Okay? I don't know. Because we don't know. There's nothing there. So let's not make anything up. Let's move on. He's the mystery part of the team. Um, Tychicus, Tychicus, however you want to say that. 
He's your chief information officer. This guy, he was like email before email hit. All right? So as we run our ministries, imagine in your job, imagine in your ministry, whatever it would be, if you never communicated, how much would get done? And some of you are like, you know, uh, I hate communication because communication is horrible. You know, when people miscommunicate this, regardless, we have to have communication in order to accomplish things. And so we see uh, this individual throughout Acts. We see him in other areas of the New Testament. He was Paul's messenger. That's the, that's the purpose he served as part of this team. And he's there located at Crete. This was an important work and he was part of an important ministry team. He had a purpose. His purpose was very different than Titus's. His purpose was very different than Zenus. Zenus was legal for the team, right? He represented it. So if anything was said, they had to make sure it was going to pass. They had to make sure they weren't going to get sued. No, he wasn't doing any of that. But it says that Zenus was a lawyer. But what was his role? He was a preacher. And he was partnered with Apollos. And we hear about Apollos in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And, and Paul had done a lot of work with Apollos. And And some of these individuals like Zenos had been trained in the church where Priscilla and Aquila were. And you see how all of this starts to branch out. So here's this team that's working and each person on the team has their role so that we can get more baskets of fruit. Now, would would Titus be able to focus on what he's been gifted to do if he's having to run back and forth and relay messages to Paul? No. He wouldn't be efficient in what he's doing at all. If Titus was the one that had to handle all the preaching, would he be able to do that to the multiple churches that were set up on Crete? No. So we'll bring in a preaching team. And all these guys are going to work together to help one another for the cause of Christ. To what? To do an effective good work so that we'll bear fruit. So Paul believed in a team approach. We do too here at Concord Bible Church. As a matter of fact, after this service, we're going to be voting. The membership here will be voting on the individuals that will serve on the 2015 teams. So it's kind of a timely message. This morning, as we look at the building of the stage, that doesn't include everybody. Those are some of the guys that were part of all of this. There's Bruce wielding his impact hammer drill. And Luke's keeping his distance. Well done. There's an individual that's not pictured here that put in all of these electronics that make us more compliant with fire code. Yeah, Gary appreciates that. All these electronics now, and and you're not going to see wires just hanging all over the place, and it's much more efficient. And Brian Gaines is the only one in our church that knows how to do this. And so Brian was here all by himself for four to five hours at a time. Last Sunday night, he was here till two in the morning doing it all by himself. Now, I better not bother Brian ever again for the rest of the year, right? Okay, but he was happy to do it. But there's an approach where you have to do it all by yourself. Where that's needed and you. You understand you're doing that work for God. There's another sense where you're doing something as a group and you're able to accomplish much more in a quicker amount of time. Bruce, how fast would this stage have been done if you had to do it all by yourself? Would I be standing on a stage this morning? Oh, yeah. That's called a setup question. A group harvest. Well, this morning, I want to give you a second point about how does this relate? If Paul's 
demonstrating that there was a team. It wasn't just Titus. He established an entire team to strengthen those churches and to lead those churches in doing good works to provide baskets upon baskets of fruit. What do we do here? How do we apply that concept here at CBC? Let me give you something that I took from my former pastor, uh, Craig Miller. It's called Worship Plus Two. This is kind of the expectation that, that we understand helps provide that healthy sense of being able to do good works. Number one, you're in a worship service. That you're part- That's the first thing. Come be part of the worship service. Secondly, that you're involved in some kind of uh, study, life group, Bible study, accountability group outside of here during the week for about an hour, hour and a half. And then participating in some sort of a ministry where you can combine with other people for God to work through you to bless other people and to bless you as well. And so all that adds up to about five hours a week is what, what the, the, the threshold that we would ever expect from our people. We don't want to push people beyond that. Now God may give a special dispensation to individuals he may have a special time where we understand hey i i I just had triplets and sleep is gone it doesn't exist anymore so could i please have um the night off on awana for about the next 15 years um yes we grant you that special dispensation we understand that there's an adjustment to it this is just a suggested idea but as we move forward with how do we do things at cbc with this team idea, number one, and I apologize, uh, this I need somebody to do, because uh, I, I did this alone, this makes no grammatical sense. But uh, it's the idea of being inspired by God working through us together to be fruitful. All right, That should say working, not work. Inspired by God working through us together to be fruitful. That's how we want to do ministry here at Conquer Bible. We don't want it to be a labor of love. I hate that term. Because even with that, there's kind of this negative connotation. We want you to be excited about what's happening in your ministry, in what you're doing. And we know that on any given day, when you're coming into whatever you're involved with, it's going to be a whole lot easier to sit at home and, and, and not give up your casual time, right? Not give up your, your uh, uh, TV time or your relaxation time or your Groupon time, whatever that looks like, we get that. That's always going to be a struggle because you're doing something that's spiritual. There's going to be that effort to discourage you towards doing that. That's not what we're talking about here. We want you to be inspired when you get into that ministry moment with your group. And maybe it's this new team that's coming together that we're going to vote for. And maybe you're part of that team. As you form that team, that ministry team for 2015... Can I encourage you, as you set the pattern of what you want to do, let it be God's pattern. Let it be inspired by God. Let it be that which you invite God to show you, to direct you, to work for you and with you. So that when you get to the end of a month or a year or a task or whatever you want to see happen, there's something more that's happened beyond just what you could do. And you heard testimony about that today, didn't you? You heard testimony over and over about how God used people, whether in groups or as individuals. But this morning, we want to focus on the idea, when we do good works, 
Let them be inspirational. Let them be inspirational. Don't leave God out of them. It gives you greater buying power, right? You can get up here, I could get up here and play some music and it'd be very uninspirational. There's been a lot of worship teams that have been playing music, but there's just, God's missing out of it. There's been a lot of preachers that have stood in pulpits and they've been sharing and, and they want to impress or they want to run down a, a certain road to, to kind of get us motivated to build something or do something but it had nothing to do with God. And so they wonder, why is the congregation dragging their feet? Because the congregation wasn't inspired by God. You've heard the testimonies. There is power when God inspires either an individual or a group. And He works through them to accomplish His will. Ministry is the opportunity for the power of the divine to work through us. You heard from multiple people again this morning. By the way, you all are my constant illustration. You heard through multiple people how God has worked through individuals to bless others in this church. And how deeply meaningful that is. It moves you, right? It moves you. Is that what you're willing to devote yourself to? That's how you know God is involved. When it goes beyond the ordinary into the extraordinary. And as we do those good works, my friends, whether it's individuals or teams, if we do them in our own power, our own strength, they will be very ordinary and the results will be very ordinary. As we partner with God and we do we get on board with where God's going with something. Like strengthening these, these churches in Crete. Then you see only what God could do. A favorite passage of mine in Scripture is out of the book of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah 6, they had rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. The diaspora was over. Nehemiah and Ezra and many others led a contingency of of Israel, Judah, back into Jerusalem. And everybody was concerned about doing their own thing. And Nehemiah said, no, this isn't right. We need to be about building the walls. We need to get a group effort here rather than everybody doing their own individual thing. And so the whole book of Nehemiah is about this effort to get the people to work as a group, to do something. And in Nehemiah 6, you see these words that in the year of, and I don't remember what year it was or what month it was, but he basically says this, that in this 62nd day, or in 62 days, they rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. And that the nations that surrounded Jerusalem were in fear. Because they knew for man to do this, it was impossible. And the testimony of those nations, as... The project is happening to protect those inside the walls. We're thinking in a pragmatic sense, hey, if we just build this, then we've got protection. It makes all the sense in the world, right? When in fact, there was something supernatural that was going on, that when this got erected, when it got completed and built in, in an impossible amount of time, that the surrounding nations that were a threat to Jerusalem looked at it and said, 
I don't fear that wall. I don't fear the men that are inside that wall. But what they did, what they did speaks of the God of Israel. We're not touching them. That's what we're talking about. To be part of that is extraordinary. It is the divine power working through us. Next, we want to cultivate a powerful, God-driven, transformational church that's alive. We can do everything up here. We could do everything up here. We could ask you not to engage with each other at all. We could do a dog and pony show, whatever you want to call it. And you come and, and you sit and then you go home. But you're not experiencing the power of God working with each other. I hope and I pray that you walk away today with exactly what God has for you, but I sense it might be the power of the testimonies you heard that will stick in your mind more than the sermon itself, which is great. Because it's a testimony of God's power at work. That's a church that's alive, my friends. We want to be a church here. CBC wants to be a church that through our works, through God working through groups or individuals, that we become a church that is very much alive. And that whether it's a seminary professor, you know, here's, here's a great thing. We had a youth pastor and his wife here during first service from a neighboring church that I know really well. And so they visited our church this morning. And then we've had someone who I don't know at all that's been here today. Our desire is that whether it's someone who has been years in the faith and incredibly mature in the faith, or someone who doesn't know God at all, that both of those individuals experience God here on a Sunday morning. Whether it's through music, prayer, sermon, or you. Or ministry. That's the signs. Those are the demarcations of a church that's alive. Number two, how do we handle ministry here at Concord Bible? We don't want any mavericks. What do you mean? I like that show. It's a good show, right? James Gardner, he's my hero. There's only about 5% of us in the room that even know what I'm talking about. I just wanted to see who, who could be classified in that area. Operating alone is discouraging and limiting or limited. Have you been that person? That you got asked at the church and... and Please come talk to me if it's been us. Where you've been asked over a long period of time, not a special event, but a long period of time to carry or to, to burden yourself with carrying a ministry all by yourself. For a period of time, sometimes that, that needs to happen. Some people are joyful about doing that. But there's many people who end up in our church that have been run through the ringer at other churches and they're done. They're burnt out. They're frustrated. They've been torched. They weren't protected. And they gave and they gave and they gave. And they were mavericks. They didn't get the support that they needed. And so they want to come here and this becomes a recovering program for burnt out Christians. And they usually sit in the back row. So if you're sitting in the back row today, that has nothing to do with you, okay? I don't know anything about you guys in the back row. But you know what I mean, right? They usually sit... They want to take in. They want to be encouraged. They want to be healed. They want to be mended. 
but you know what they don't want to do. Don't ask me to get involved. I've been down that road. And I got burned. Usually when that happens, my friends, it's because you're a maverick. You've been asked to do too much by yourself. And Paul saw this. He desperately needs to get these churches established. He needs them to survive. He needs them to be strengthened. And so he's saying, Titus, I'm not going to make you do it all by yourself. I'm going to give you support. And not all these guys are going to be operating like you. By the way, you're the only one that's going to be doing what you do. Because you're good at it. But you're going to have support. You're not going to do all the preaching, Titus. You're going to be my voice. You're going to be my spokesperson. You're going to be the elder who's going to watch over. And you may do some of the preaching, but I'm going to send you a team of preachers. I'm going to send you a person that can do all the communication, that can go back and forth, because I can't afford for you to leave there right now. You see how all that works? If you ever get pigeonholed into something to be by yourself or alone, please come talk to me. If you're getting burnt out in the ministry that you're part of right now, please come talk to me. Because we want to guard over your hearts. One of the worst things that can happen is that you would ever get burnt on doing good works so that the baskets of fruit start diminishing. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 through 12 speaks to this. And it's talking about the issue of being alone versus there being two. Two is stronger there's a better return when two are involved. And then he goes even further than that and he says a strand of three is not easily broken. Even the writer of Ecclesiastes saw the wisdom in approaching things as a group. The joy of building relationships around and through God's work. I had a great time being part of the team. I think I screwed in five screws and that was it. And the rest of the time I was just sitting doing nothing uh, on this stage. So I really enjoyed it. Um, but no, I did, I did a little bit more than that. I did a lot of supervising. I asked for one of those Caltrans vests, you know, so I could be that guy. Um, they didn't give it to me. Uh, but what I did notice is that it wasn't just about accomplishing building this. We had some great conversation. We had some conversation about biblical things. We had some conversation about life groups. We had some conversation about our own lives. And relationship was deepened while we're trying to do some task. That's what we want in our ministry teams, folks. We don't want you to just come accomplish a task. You see, the good work that we do because of the cause of Christ finds its end in relationship. Number one, the relationship going this way, and we heard that testimony this morning, but also the glue that binds us together happens and we heard that through the testimony that we're endearing ourselves to those that are in this room because how god worked through them to bless you it's about relationship and the moment it becomes about the task you're going to end up a maverick and you're going to end up burnt out it's going to be non-inspirational and your joy will be removed let me just encourage you capture this one idea that we need to have joy in the process of our ministry and when that doesn't happen, come talk to me. Well, go to Christ first. And then come talk to me. Because there needs to be joy in what you're doing. Lastly, as we wrap up this morning, diversity provides greater draw and interest. You see that, right? In what Paul set up as a team there in Crete. 
is he gave one who was a good leader. That's Titus. And one that he invested in deeply. How do we know that he invested deeply? Because in the opener, he refers to him as his what? As his son. There was a deep relationship between Titus and Paul. Paul had invested much in him. And so he says, I want you to act as leadership. Now I'm going to send you a team of preachers. I'm going to send you a guy that that can be a messenger. And who knows who else was part of this team. But he's saying, Titus, I'm not going to ask you to do it alone. Because guess what? You may not be all that great at preaching. I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Maybe you have issues with communication. I don't know. But I will tell you that there's a reason why I only screwed in X amount of screws on this job. Because you don't want me making measurements or cuts. Leave it to the guys that are really good at it. But I'm good at talking, so I'll just sit here and talk with you while you're doing the cuts and the measurements. And you'll be blessed for it. Diversity provides greater draw and interest. As we form, as we vote today in the membership for these new teams, when you get on that team, when you become part of that group, you're going to bring something very different than somebody else in that group. And often that becomes frustrating, right? Why don't people think like I think? Because I think really good. I think well. I'm superior in my thinking. And you need to think like I think. And we'll spend a lot of time working really hard to try to bring those other people into how I think. And if they don't start thinking like how I think, then I'm going to get frustrated and I might start looking for a different ministry. There went the joy. Friends, take joy in the differences that are there. Uh, some of what we're going to be bringing to you today that's not even going to be voted on, it's, it's just some, some thoughts, it's some ideas, it's some moving forward, it's some pioneering things. But here's the interesting thing about your elders. We should never get a decision made here based off of all the metrics, all the things that are based off of leadership studies. We shouldn't be able to get a single decision made here because on personality levels, we are all, there's like four different personalities within a leadership structure. We hit all four. And when you hit that, there is no groupthink. There's always a bumping up on every decision because somebody's approaching it from a different way. Folks, that's a strength. That's a strength. And here's where your elders are able to really magnify that strength rather than fall into conflict, which does happen in many churches. Some of the things we're going to be bringing to you today, we weren't in agreement on. And so there was a acquiescence that happened. There was a submitting to one another like we see in Ephesians 4.21. There was a submitting to Christ for the greater good and saying, well, maybe my thought, maybe my approach isn't what's supposed to happen right now. So we'll put it aside. And what we will present is what everybody can agree on and what we think God is really leading us towards. You know how much joy there is in, in working with people like that? That is tremendous. May God never remove me from this church. Please, please, please. Just even on that level. Because that is a rarity. But it can be done. When Christ is the center, when Christ is the priority, it can be done. 
And then greater things are done and there's a joy and there's an inspiration. But that doesn't happen if everybody thinks the same. And it doesn't happen if your pastor always gets his way. If, if your pastor gets his way, y'all, we, Janine would be here this morning, that'd be about it. Maybe Cindy. We'd see. Y'all would get so frustrated with, with my visions of grandeur and what, what I would want to do. So thank God for groupthink and diversity. So as you participate in a ministry with someone, think about the diversity that Paul constructed for this ministry on Crete. And think about what's required in order to do every good work that God wants to do. And that's where we're heading here. Diversity is required in our giftedness. And that's demonstrated in 1 Corinthians 12. And let's read it. He says this, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Each of us are different in our scope of how we approach things. And if done under the supervision and guidance of the Holy Spirit, that makes us so much better than if we all thought the same. The same thinking, the group think that should happen should be the biblical part, the scriptural part, the God part. And that's what brings the joy in the diversity. Is that when you see people that normally should just be bumping up against each other come together when they should be doing that, because of their love for Christ and because of Christ through the Holy Spirit working to bind them together in unity for His purposes. Now we've accomplished something that goes way beyond what man can do. Now we have basket after basket after basket of fruit. And now there is an inspiration and a joy in doing ministry. This is why we don't believe in mavericks doing ministry at CBC. In closing, we'll go back to the Scripture that we opened with this morning. Paul's writing and speaking to this very challenge of doing good works and how important, how desperately important they are in our life and in our Christian walk into the church. And he says this, Let us not grow weary of doing good. Are we weary? Oh, we're weary all the time. How many of you were tired by Thursday? Some of you are tired by Monday. We grow weary because there's a lot on our shoulders. But do we grow weary of doing good? Do not grow weary of doing good. If you think and you wrap your mind around that, we can get weary of doing good. Because my friends, if we're doing good under the auspices and leading of the Holy Spirit, we'll be making an impact for the kingdom. If you're making an impact for the kingdom by doing those good works, you are a target by the enemy. And you will feel it. You will feel it. And that's what Paul's saying here, is that it's a spiritual challenge. So what do you do with it? For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's hope. Keep your eye focused on the hope of what's happening. The hope of what God is trying to do through you. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This morning, as you contemplate, and as I contemplate, these good works 
that Paul insisted Titus lead the church towards, there's a reason. That when we're about unifying to do God's work, it really doesn't give us a whole lot of time to be selfish and to let sin take root, to germinate, and to start to choke us out. This is why Paul wrote what he wrote to Titus. And this is why the issue of good works are so stridently important. And this is why doing works in your own strength is one of the most damaging things you could possibly think of. But doing good works through the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit will give you incredible inspiration and joy to know God is working through you. And please, don't regulate that to Janine. She's got enough on her plate. If you keep loading up, well, Janine sounds like a great girl. I'm going to, you know, all this stuff's going to happen, or, or, or Lynn, or, or whatever. Everyone who shared, everyone who spoke, God has something mark, marked out for you. He has it lined out for you so that people are giving testimony about you and sharing about you and how God is working through you. And then go beyond that and just remember Megan's testimony. You know, I was blessed. I was moved. I want to be here because people care and because I see God in people. First, because Janine reached out and prayed. Second, because the worship team ministers to my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. That goes beyond what any of us can do on a personal level. Amen? And that's what makes this truly exciting. You see the baskets of fruit and it keeps you going in that direction. That's what's crucial. Let me close in prayer today. Thank you for being here. And we're going to change this place over um, and have a, a pizza fest. And we're going to elect some people to do something around here. And, um, and if you want to come up on the stage, we're taking lottery numbers. Um, you can contribute. Uh, I'm just kidding. You guys can come up here and test it. Gary, give us, give us some kind of an inspection on this. Just to let you know, we're in progress. It won't be. I know, Mike, you think I've got some kind of a side job in tap. I'd probably blow out my quad doing it. Um, so, no, this isn't going to stay like this. Uh, you'll see a progression uh, carpeting for the stage is coming in hopefully in the next week and a half, two weeks. And then we're going to need a whole new crew. Because remember, we don't want to overwork people. We need a whole new crew that we can do this. This will be fun. This will be exactly what we were talking about. Carpet this main room. And uh, you'll have a blast coming together to do it. And you don't have to be really good at it. You really couldn't mess this one up. Um, you're like, oh, yes, I could, Pastor. We'll, we'll pray for you. Okay. Let's, uh, let's dismiss. Thank you, Lord, for showing us out of what seemed to be just closing remarks, concluding thoughts, administrative thoughts. And yet, hidden in here was something deep and valuable for us to learn today about how to do good works. How to see the fruit come about through the power of Your Holy Spirit. That Lord, in moving through that and, and holding on to it, that 
coming together in groups gives us the ability to exponentially take the pressure off ourselves, but reach so many other people. I pray over our ministries this coming year, even as we elect them today, that they will be inspired ministries and that there will be a joy to serve you in those groups and the deep relationships would be built in those ministries. Thank you so much for those that are serving. Bless them. And encourage the hearts that are new and, and looking for a place to get tied in. Um, let them seek that out and, and ask, how, how can I get plugged in and where do you think God would have me serve? Go with us today. Go with us this week and let us uh, inspire those around us with every good work. In your name we pray. Amen.